So this week we're in Acts chapter 13. For those of you who uh, follow along in your Bible, Acts 13 is where we're going to be. A Spirit-Filled People for His Mission. That's the title of the message. Uh, I read a quote this week. Um, The the staff and elders are going through some things together on um, church health and church health measures. And I read this, uh, and I've read it before, but it really jumped off the page as I was getting ready for today. Um, Here's the quote. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. God has a church for his mission in the world. That's why we're here. I I, want to make sure you hear that. that. That is why the church exists. That is why New City exists. That is our purpose individually as followers of Christ um, to be on his mission. As families, as missional communities, as New City Church, we are here for God's mission. Right? It's, it's great. There are lots of good things that church does for us, um, community and, and friends, and, and that is important and great. Um, it's good that we have great musicians and people who sing beautifully and uh, we can be moved by the music. That's a great thing. But we are not here to be entertained. We're not here um, to be made to feel good. God has a mission and that's what we're here for. The church is here for the mission of God. We are here as a glimpse of his kingdom present in the world today. A, a glimpse of what his kingdom should have been before sin entered into the world in the garden. We are here, like Adam and Eve, to push back the boundaries of the garden and to grow his kingdom, to fill the earth with his image bearers. Now, for us, the way that that looks um, is communicated to us in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission where Jesus told his disciples shortly before leaving them, as you go, as you go about your life, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Just before the ascension uh, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus restated this to his disciples, reminding them, hey, this is what you do. This is what you are to be about. And he told them, I am sending the Holy Spirit to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will come with power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God's mission it is the redemption of people from their sins. It is, it is seeing broken humanity reconciled with Him. It is to one day, one day, restore creation to all that it was meant to be before sin entered into the world. And all of this happens uh, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. As people hear the good news of the gospel and believe, trust in the work of Jesus, who he is and what he has done. God's great plan to save the world is us. It's you. You are God's plan to save the world. You are God's plan to see humanity reconciled with Him. Just 
ordinary people proclaiming the good news of Jesus. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, like even me saying it, I'm the pastor up here preaching it. I'm like, God, you probably maybe should have found a different way because I'm not sure how good I'm going to be with this. But here's the thing. We are never alone in this mission. We are never alone in this mission. God has given us one another, right? And we have one another, and we are a family in this mission. We are on this mission together. But even more, God has given us His Spirit. And that's what I want us to see this morning. I think it is um, clear, plain, easy to see in our passage in Acts chapter 13 this morning. So l- let's, let's talk about the Holy Spirit as our story in Acts begins to shift to the ends of the earth. Um, will you pray with me this morning before we jump into the scripture? And I, I say this every week, don't take it for granted. Um, God is good to give us prayer. Like, it, it is a grace that we can come together as his people, that we pray, and he hears us pray, pray and he answers our prayers. And so, don't, don't just listen to me pray. Don't think about other things. I just messed that up. Now you'll be thinking about all kinds of things. Pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be good this morning to teach us. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be good to bring conviction to our lives where that's necessary or needed. And um, that, that the Holy Spirit would be good to encourage us this morning as well and shape us more and more to be the people that he wants us to be. Will you pray with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for prayer and the gracious gift that is ours because of Jesus. That we can, we can come boldly um, but humbly before your throne that we can ask you to to help us to do things on our behalf to to strengthen us we we pray now for our time together father that you would you would be with us in a mighty way through your spirit that you would be here to convict us where we need conviction in our lives and 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 father we 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 all need that from time to time that you would be good to encourage us today, to encourage us in who you are, to encourage us in your great grace, to encourage us in the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit, to encourage us to be the people that you've called us to be. Father, I pray today that for New City Church, for those of us who have gathered here today or will hear this message, that, um, that, that, that you would be gracious to shape us more and more into the image of Jesus more and more to be the church that you would have us to be for your glory and the good of your people in Jesus name we pray together amen so um, Acts chapter 13 is what we're going to look at and before we get into that I want us um, really quickly to get the backstory to these verses so that we can see what God is doing in the book of Acts so Going all the way back to the beginning of the book of Acts, um, the church gets its start in those opening chapters of Acts. Jews from all over the world, that part of the world, have traveled to Jerusalem 
for Pentecost, also the, known as a, the Jewish holiday, um, the Feast of Weeks. And so people from all over the world, Jews, have come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. The Spirit came, as we were talking about. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. When He comes, He'll come with power. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit after He ascended. The Holy Spirit came with great power. Um, the, the, the disciples, the apostles began to speak in tongues, sharing the gospel message. And on that first day that the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people believed the gospel and the church was born. Now those people had come from all over the world. And after this happened, they didn't leave and go home immediately. They stayed there in Jerusalem. They stayed together with this new family that they had. They stayed together to learn from the disciples who were teaching them all about who, who Jesus was and what Jesus had done and how he was the fulfillment of all of the uh, Old Testament prophets. And so they're all together in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 6, persecution begins to increase. Um, Stephen, one of the disciples, is arrested. There's a false trial, and Stephen is ultimately stoned to death. With that, the believers begin to scatter. Uh, and they aren't simply fleeing from the persecution that's going on, although that is what leads them to scatter. What they're actually doing is going home. Like they've been in Jerusalem, they came there for Pentecost, and they've been hanging out in Jerusalem with their new family, growing in the gospel. Persecution ramps up, Stephen is stoned to death, and they head for home. Uh, as they do that, they are taking the gospel with them. Just ordinary people uh, who were there are now headed home, and they are taking the gospel with them. We read about this in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Let me read a few verses there. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So, um, so persecution, scattered believers, they're sharing the gospel as they go, just like Jesus commanded. They are headed home. The gospel is taking root. People are becoming believers. Word gets back to Jerusalem that there are a number of believers in Antioch, and there's actually a church forming. So they send Barnabas to see what's happening in Antioch. Barnabas goes and he's like, holy cow, there's a church here. People believe the gospel. This is amazing. He's teaching them. He goes uh, and gets Saul from Tarsus. Saul comes and together they spend a year teaching the people in Antioch. And we read last week about the gift that was taken up because of the famine. And that went to Judea and Jerusalem by Paul uh, or Saul and Barnabas. I'm going to call him Saul and Paul because he's both. So don't get confused. I'm just going to, I can't help it. Doing the best I can. <laughs> um, and so they go and they take the gift and they come back to Antioch. And that is where we pick up in chapter 13. They're back in Antioch. Here's the first thing that I want us to see in chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It's the Holy Spirit who calls. The Holy Spirit calls. 
Um, so remember where we started this morning. God doesn't have a mission for the church. He has a church for the mission that he's had from the beginning. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. We did a series back in the summer, eight weeks long, over the Holy Spirit. Can't rehash it all here, but I would really encourage you, if you weren't here from that, to go back and listen to the series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, because what we see in the verses today is basically everything that we talked about in the, in the series before happening now in the book of Acts. Um, some of the church leaders in Antioch were gathered together, and it says they were worshiping and fasting. Interesting um, use of words here, that they were worshiping and fasting. Normally you see prayer and fasting. And there's a good possibility that that's really what Luke meant here, was prayer and fasting, as prayer is really an act of worship. Right? So this is just a little bit of a sidebar, um, but prayer is an act of worship. But we pray as worship when we recognize who God is, like that God is great and we recognize who we are. We are not great. It's an act of worship when we pray because we are submitting ourselves to God who is greater than us, God who is able when we are not able. So it is prayer is worship. So they were worshiping, they were praying, they were fasting, um, and, and, and it's during that time that the Holy Spirit, God himself, right? We believe in a Trinitarian God, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God himself, speaks to these leaders. He is leading them. He is instructing them. He is guiding them. And the Holy Spirit says to these leaders, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. And so the leaders in the church then, they, they pray and they fast some more. Maybe they're seeking confirmation. Are, are we hearing right, Holy Spirit? Make sure that we're on board with this. Maybe they were just giving thanks. Maybe it was both. But they continue praying, they continue fasting, and then, sure of the Spirit's work, His words, His leading, they lay hands on Barnabas and Saul to send them off. God spoke to the leaders of the church through the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus promised that He would in John. Again, go back to the Holy Spirit sermon series that we did. God spoke then to the leaders of the church through the Holy Spirit. God spoke to the people in the church through the Holy Spirit. And God still leads the church that way today, through the Spirit. It, it, it was the Spirit leading. It was the Spirit teaching. It was the Spirit pointing the way. Here it is the Spirit calling Paul and Barnabas to more than just as-you-go missionaries. Now, I say it that way. If you're familiar, if you're a New City regular, you know what I mean by that. If not, listen, we are all missionaries. The Great Commission isn't sending people just to uh, Africa or faraway places. The Great Commission really says, as you go, disciples, make other disciples. And so every believer is a disciple, an as-you-go believer, an as-you-go missionary. We're all missionaries, just some of us don't do a great job with it. 
But we are all missionaries, and the Great Commission is for us, right? So we're all called to be missionaries, but some missionaries are called to go to far away and foreign places. Now, God had already set Saul apart for this. When Jesus came and met with Saul on the Damascus Road, he told him then, and he told the disciples around him, hey, I'm setting apart Saul, and he is going to speak before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. It was time. He had already said, he had already said, I am setting Saul apart for this, and now he's coming to the leaders in the church, and to Saul, and to Barnabas, and he's saying, it is time. It's time. It's time for you to go to the Gentiles, to kings, and even to the children of Israel. So, the Holy Spirit calls. The Holy Spirit also sends. Verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, uh, and they had John to assist them. So from Antioch, they traveled to Seleucia, which is a, a Mediterranean coastal city, right, right, on the, right on the coastline. From there, they went to Cyprus. Cyprus is an island, and it's interesting, the island of Cyprus is where Barnabas is from. So God was sending Barnabas to his hometown and to his people. That's where Barnabas and Saul would start this mission trip, really. So if we skip down to, to verse 13, they, they went from one part of the island all the way across to the other part of the island, and as they went, they were sharing the good news of the gospel with anyone who would listen. Verse 13, now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So they go all the way across the island. They leave the island. They go back to the mainland. And they go to a place called Antioch of Pisidia, not the same Antioch that they started in. Verse 50 and 51 tell us that they stayed there until they were run out of the whole area. And then they headed to Iconium. So the Holy Spirit was sending uh, Paul and Barnabas out of Judea and Samaria and sending them toward the ends of the earth. These areas, they did have a lot of Jewish people with them, and Paul would continue and Barnabas to share the good news with the Jews, but there were also increasing number of Gentiles in this area, and really people from all over the world living in these highly Roman cities. So the Holy Spirit calls, the Holy Spirit sends. We're seeing what we're seeing happen is exactly what Jesus said in the beginning, right? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and now the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit calls, the Holy Spirit sends, and the Holy Spirit fills. If we go back to the island of Cyprus, verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So here we go. Verse 9, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, 
You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Man, this is, this is incredible here, right? The Holy Spirit fills. What we see is all of the things or many of the things that we talked about in that Holy Spirit series last summer. Part of what we talked about were, were the spiritual gifts. Um, we looked at Romans 12, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12, other passages as well, um, and talked about how believers all have spiritual gifts. Well, the real gift that all believers have is the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit indwells every single believer, God with us. And the Holy Spirit indwells us until the day of our final redemption when we stand face to face with Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is a gift for all believers. Now, the Spirit is in us, the Bible says, and the Spirit manifests Himself as a presence in our life through these gifts. And there are a variety of gifts that the Bible talks about. It is how the Spirit manifests Himself in us and through us. One of the gifts that we talked about was the gift of discernment. That's what we see in Paul. We see the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in giving Paul discernment over what was actually happening here. This wasn't just a person who was objecting to what Paul was saying. Uh, this, this was demonic. This was demonic, and that's what Paul says. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? This was the Holy Spirit showing Saul who he was up against. And we also talked in that series about other gifts, one of those being the gift of miracles. The gift of miracles. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will manifest himself through the gift of miracles. That's what the Bible teaches. Here we see it in Paul. Paul says you are going to be blind. Because of what you are doing, because of this demonic presence, you are going to be blind. And immediately... Mist and darkness fell upon the man. Mist and darkness fell upon him, and he had to seek people who would lead him around by the hand. And then what happened next? The proconsul believed. He saw what happened, and he was astonished at Paul and Barnabas' teaching. I love this. He didn't say, well, hey, because I've seen this great miracle, I will follow your God. What we see is this miracle confirmed and affirmed the message that Paul and Barnabas were preaching, and what this man believed was the gospel itself. He was astonished at, at the word of God that was being taught from Paul and Barnabas, and the word of God that they were teaching was the gospel itself. So filled with the Spirit and discerning his real enemy, Paul spoke, calling out his enemy and cursing him with blindness. Verse 14 tells us then that they made their way uh, after that to Antioch of Pisidia. And there they went to a Jewish synagogue. And they go in the Jewish synagogue and they sit in the synagogue and there was regular teaching there and all of the Jewish people in that area would go to the synagogue to learn, to worship, um, to, to hear the scripture read. So they are there at the Jewish synagogue and as was the custom, they were asked uh, 
if they had any encouragement that they wanted to share with the people in the synagogue. Well, that was perfect for Paul. Like, don't ever ask Paul if you don't want him to speak. Hey, do you have any encouragement you'd like to share with us? Paul was like, well, as a matter of fact, I do have a few things I would like to share with you. Verse 16. Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Let me say that again, because I feel like that's, that's what he's doing with us most days. Putting up with us. You go, Paul. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, Sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news. The good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he was raised from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says in also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers, and David saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Now, I, I want to I pause right there. I, I, I hope you see it. Those of you who are normal New City folks, Paul just shared God's big story. This, this is the big story of God. Paul is sharing with them God's plan of redemption and restoration. He, he, he's talking about their own Jewish history in light of God's plan of redemption and restoration. Here is our Jewish history. 
Paul is saying to his Jewish brothers, here is our Jewish history. Here are the promises of God. And here is the fulfillment of all of them. Jesus. Jesus. Here is the good news of forgiveness, redemption, and restoration. And it's all in and through him. And then he says this in verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Warning. Don't let this be you. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. Paul tells them, here is the gospel, and here is how it is a part of our history, and and here is what God is doing. And And then he gives them this incredible warning. Don't be one of the people that the prophets talked about. Don't be one of the people who hears this amazing story, who sees all that God is doing, and even though you were told all of it, you walk away in disbelief. Paul and Barnabas leave the synagogue then. Gathered that day, there were, we're told, devout Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles who had converted to Judaism. And they follow Paul and Barnabas out of, out of the synagogue and down the street, and they're urging them to stay longer and teach them more. And so that's what they do. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, so a week later, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what, what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6 is what Paul is quoting. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up uh, persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Man, what a, what a powerful picture this is. The Holy Spirit is with Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit is empowering the story of God. That's what we see here. It's the Holy Spirit who is empowering the story of God and stirring up the people. And the Holy Spirit is stirring up the people. The Jews are, are, are stirred up. The Gentiles are stirred up. The Holy Spirit is giving Paul, just like Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit would give us words to say. That that the Holy Spirit would would, would do that. We we see it. The words that Paul is speaking, they are are perfect. Perfect for this situation. Perfect for both Jew and Gentile. And, and, And how perfect for this part of the story of Acts. As we've gone from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and now we're headed to the ends of the earth with the gospel. Perfect. What a powerful quote from Isaiah 49, 6. 
Jesus said, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will give you the words to say, and there they are. He will remind you of everything that I've said, and here it is, with perfect and powerful timing. The Gentiles hear the gospel. They hear the big story. They hear what God has been doing in, in history and through the history of God's people. The Gentiles hear it and they begin rejoicing and praising God. They believe the good news that Paul has shared with them and preached. They rejoice knowing that they have been appointed to eternal life because of the work, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. They rejoice because now they are apart, brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. Beautiful. And the Jews, the Jews are stirred as well, and maybe even more so than the Gentiles, but, but their stirring leads to fear and jealousy and anger. And it seems almost like a, a riot is taking place as the mob rises against Paul and Barnabas and drives them not just out of the city itself, but out of the entire district. But many, by the power of the Spirit at work in and through Paul and Barnabas, many believed. And the church grew. And the boundaries of the kingdom were pressed further and further out. The Holy Spirit calls... The Holy Spirit sends, the Holy Spirit fills, and the Holy Spirit bears fruit. We've already talked about some of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, on Cyprus, many believed and the church grew. When they were on the island, the gospel took root and the church grew. Even the proconsul became a believer. The same is true here in Antioch. Many believed, the Gentiles believed that the, the work of the Spirit was taking place. And, and, and this is the work of the Spirit. This is what Jesus said, that I am sending the Spirit when He comes. He will be the one to convict of sin and righteousness. And that's exactly what was happening as they, as they were sharing the gospel. The Holy Spirit was convicting of sin and righteousness just as Jesus said the Spirit would do. That, that, is, that is the Spirit bearing the fruit of genuine repentance. A turning away, a turning away from sin, a turning away from, from self-righteousness and, and pride, and a turning, a turning to Him with a desperate hope in Jesus. That's not a fruit that we can produce. That's not a fruit that the Apostle Paul could produce. That is a fruit that only the Spirit could produce. The Spirit bears fruit. I love that, and I love verse 52 as well. Paul and Barnabas and the other disciples with them have been sent running, like most likely literally running. They were, they were fleeing for their lives as, as this Jewish riot began to break out as they were pursuing Paul and, and Barnabas. So they're run out of town. They're run out of the entire district. Were they, were they sad? Were they disappointed? Were they defeated? Ready to pack it, pack it up and head home because, because they felt defeated? Verse 52 says this, And the disciples were filled with what? Joy. And with the Holy Spirit. 
We've already talked about them being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with joy. The fruit of the Spirit is what in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Joy was their reward. Even, even when the people came against them, they were filled with joy. I, 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 I love that. They were, they were filled with joy because joy is the fruit of the Spirit. What, a, what another incredible story from the book of Acts. Another incredible account of, of the gospel going forward and, and now to the Gentiles and God pressing the church further and further, right? Beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and towards the ends of the earth. So I, I started this morning with this quote from Christopher J.H. Wright and I want to I revisit it. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for His church in the world as that God has a church for His mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. God's mission, as we've said from the beginning, is to fill the earth with His image bearers and to walk with them. He would be their God and they would be His people. God didn't come to a church and say, hey, I've got a mission for you. Here's what you can do. God has had a mission from the, from the very beginning. As soon as sin entered into the world, even before, God had a mission, and it was the redemption and restoration of broken and fallen humanity, and that is what the church is for. The church is created for that very mission. But God went... A, 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 a thousand million billion steps further. That's a lot, isn't it? God sent His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell His people, to give them everything they needed to accomplish His mission. Remind you again of the Great Commission. Jesus said, as you go, as you go about your life, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And then he added something. And lo, I am with you always. Here's your mission, but don't be worried. You're not going alone. I am with you always to the end of the age. How would Jesus be with us to the end of the age if he was ascending and has ascended to the Father? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus was with those first disciples. Reminding them, reminding them of his words, empowering their words, gifting them, leading them, teaching them, calling Paul and Barnabas, sending them to faraway places, and in them and through them bearing the beautiful fruit of the gospel and growing the kingdom of God. What a precious, precious, gracious 
gift the Spirit is. Amen? Now, here's the thing, New City. This gift wasn't just for Paul and Barnabas and those very first missionaries. This gift is for every missionary that has ever been since the Spirit came with power on Pentecost. He, the Holy Spirit, is God's provision for His mission. We talk about this all the time. You, you are the missionary. You, you are the, the missionaries. Your, your, your commission and mine is the same as it was for those first believers to make disciples. To, to, to be His witnesses. To expand the bounds of the garden. Filling the earth with image bearers. I know that sounds crazy, like we talked about in the beginning of this sermon. It sounds, it sounds crazy, and it sounds uh, maybe a little bit scary. God, are you sure about this? But I want you to hear me. The same Spirit that filled Paul and Barnabas dwells in us. Dwells in you. And here's where it is hard to believe with us, with myself, with yourself. The same Holy Spirit that empowered and, and encouraged Paul and Barnabas is the Spirit that indwells you. The same Spirit that, 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 that walked with them, that led them, that guided them is the same Spirit that indwells you. And all of those promises of Jesus that we, that we see fulfilled in, in the start here of, the, of, the, of Paul's missionary journeys and the gospel going to the ends of the earth, all of those promises to Paul and the first disciples, those are your promises. He will give you words to speak. He will remind you of, of His words. He will remind you of God's big story and, and how you can tell God's big story as well. He will be the one who brings conviction. Conviction of sin and conviction of righteousness. When, when you share the gospel, He will be the one to bring about the conviction. He will give you what you need, even gifts, manifestations of the Spirit within you. When you need discernment, the Spirit is there for discernment and wisdom. And who knows, maybe even miracles. God gives us everything that we need for His mission. Now, let me ask you this question. Right, especially for those of you who were here back in the summer and you heard the Holy Spirit series. Some of this should just be a reminder of that. But we see happening with Paul and Barnabas and the other disciples, everything that we talked about in that series and the promises that Jesus made about his Holy Spirit actually taking place, right? So, so, so let me ask you this. Do you believe it? Right, do, you, do, you, do you believe that God has given us, as believers, His Holy Spirit. 
Right? We've, we've, we've talked about the promises. Do you, do you believe the, the, the promises that Jesus made, that, that the Holy Spirit will encourage you, that the Holy Spirit will, will give you words to say? That the Holy Spirit will remind you of Scripture. The Holy Spirit will remind you of the words of Jesus. All of this is what the Bible tells us. All of this is what we see happening with Paul and Barnabas. Do you believe it? If you, if you intellectually can say, you know what, I see that in the Scripture and I believe the Bible, I believe it. Say amen. Can you imagine what would happen if we really believed it? Can you imagine what would, what would happen if we, if, we, if we really believed it? Not, not intellectually where we can say, yeah, I remember those passages in John. And I remember those gifts in 1 Corinthians and Romans. I, I, remember, I remember the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit indwells me. What, what, if we could, what if we could move from, from just having this head knowledge of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us and, 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 and believe it in our heart? Like, like, like this is just, oh yeah, no question. The Holy Spirit is with us. This is true. Jesus said it. I am. What if, what if we believed in our heart? Like we truly believed. We lived in light of this. Not just knowledge that we had, but we believed. I, I am empowered by the Spirit of God to do this thing that He's called me to. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit of God who indwells me for the mission that God has called me to. What, 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 if, we, what if we really believed that, that we didn't have to fear not knowing enough Bible verses or exactly what to say to somebody because we believed that the Holy Spirit would give us the words that we needed? What if we, what if we really believed that the conviction that is needed for, for people to hear the gospel and believe the gospel didn't come because we said everything, everything perfectly, but it came because the Spirit brings conviction of sin and righteousness? What if we really believed that it wasn't up to us to call or, or to cause people to repent, but it was the Spirit who brought about repentance? What if we really believed that all we had to do was share the gospel, just like Paul and Barnabas did, and it's the Spirit who brings this belief, and, and it's the Spirit who redeems and restores. What if we really believed that it's, it's the Holy Spirit that does all of the heavy lifting? Just like Jesus said He would do. Can you imagine what it would be like if we really believed that? Can you imagine what it would be like if a church of 400 missionaries empowered by the Spirit of God was unleashed on middle Georgia? That I want to see. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience with me, Lord. The 
times I forget, the times I disbelieve, we believe, help us with our unbelief. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us, remind us of the words of Jesus and the promises of Jesus. Remind us of this story from the book of Acts where we clearly see you, Holy Spirit, doing all the things that Jesus said that you would do. Remind us, convict us, Holy Spirit, that these are not just long-ago stories, but this is your story, and we are a part of that story. And all of those promises are our promises. Help us to remember, help us to believe, to truly, truly believe, to walk in the, the beautiful presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace, your loving kindness. That even where we forget and where we fail, you are faithful even when we are not. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name.